How's it going, everybody? Teddy Solomon here alongside Jabril Taha and Stanford men's basketball team manager, Els Boone. And welcome back to the Stanford Daily Men's Basketball Podcast. It's been a while and we have an absurd amount to talk about. We have to recap eight games that have happened for Stanford men's basketball, as well as look at the week ahead and then talk about big picture as we get towards the end of the season and as we get towards March. So because we have so much to talk about, let's dive right into it. We're going to be talking about these games in terms of span. So we're going to talk about the LA road trip. We're going to talk about the four games that happened back at home for Stanford men's basketball. And then we're going to talk about the Oregon trip that was the most recent two games. Starting out with that LA road trip on the road against USC, on the road against UCLA, it feels so far back at this point. But Els, can you give us a summary of what happened and then maybe some initial takeaways that you had before Jabril, you give your take on it? Yeah, heading into this LA trip, USC first, UCLA second. If Stanford wanted to improve its chance for the NCAA tournament, they knew that they had to win at least one of the two games. And they, end up, they ended up getting that split, beating USC for the season sweep. I think it had been at least five or six years since they'd swept USC and they hadn't won the game in quite a few years. So it was a good win there, hard fought win by three points. Some key performers for Stanford, Jaden Delaire with 14, Harrison Ingram had 12, Spencer Jones with 10. And then in the UCLA game, the second one of the trip, Stanford's offense just could not get going, only scored 43 points on the game. Not a single player had double digits in, this, in the scoring tally. Issa Silva led with eight points. So, you know, it wasn't that great. And the other storyline in that game, UCLA playing without Johnny Juzang, who's out with COVID that week. And they got some standout performers off the bench. Jake Kyman, who you don't really see playing that well, 28 minutes, 15 points. Um, and when you have guys like that going off for UCLA, uh, it's not going to mean well for whoever you're playing. And Stanford just couldn't get it done. Couldn't even match UCLA scoring-wise. Tough, tough, tough game. But Stanford, at the end of the day, did what they needed to do in L.A., getting one of the two. And Jabril, what else do you have to add about these two games? Yeah, I'll said it. Uh, all Stanford fans everywhere will be happy with getting a, a road split against the LA schools. USC was ranked number 15 at the time. UCLA was ranked number seven at the time. Uh, USC is just a very, very good matchup for this Cardinal team. They match up with them well against their height, and they've done a really good job against Isaiah Mobley both times they faced him this year. Isaiah only putting up nine points on three for eight shooting and 35 minutes played on that road matchup. Uh, Jane Dallaire had another really good game against the Trojans. Ingram and Jones also found double-digit scoring. So really it's just an all-around good game from the Cardinal. Uh, and big thing for them, they only turn the ball over nine times. We know that this team in recent years, when they don't turn the ball over, good things generally seem to happen. Same with three-point shooting. They don't turn it over, and they're having a good day shooting the three-ball. They went nine for 21 against USC in this game. They tend to win games, and they tend to beat quality sides when they do those two things well. Uh, and that UCLA game was just I obviously they're one of the best teams in the nation, but I think it, it still qualifies to call that kind of an embarrassing performance, given that their best player, one of the best players in the country and Johnny Juzang was out. And also Jaime Hawk is their second best player, got injured early in the game and only played a total of seven minutes. And they still found a way to lose by 23 to UCLA. So, again, they didn't shoot the three ball well. Stop three for 20, uh, 22 turnovers. So sort of just complete opposite of the USC game. And not a product that I don't think, despite the quality of UCLA, not a product that any Stanford fan would be proud of that on the, against UCLA. Right. I think, as you guys have both said uh, very clearly, any Stanford fan is going to be happy when you split the games on the road against the L.A. schools. But also, as you guys have said, that UCLA game was pretty pitiful. Um, without Juzang in there, Juzang, a guy who's an absolute stud, a guy who 
leads this UCLA team and a guy who you expect to be the one to help them maybe get over the hump if they're if they're having trouble and the guy that you'd expect to lead them to a, a big victory against Stanford. So really an embarrassing loss and just kind of looking at the stat line there, looking at 22 turnovers and zero points from Spencer Jones. That's something you see a lot in these pitiful losses. You're going to be seeing 20 plus turnovers, zero points from Spencer Jones. Spencer Jones, when he shoots well, it helps the team a lot. When he shoots poorly, it's a mess. And I always go back to it because the freshmen can step up. You've got guys like Ingram who are really, really talented and can step up. But unless Spencer Jones and Jaden Delaire and the other more experienced players, even Michael O'Connell are able to step up, then it's just not going to be a pretty outcome. So I'd say overall, it, it was a pretty negative road trip, despite a positive outcome, if that's understandable in the sense that they won one game there. They just looked absolutely terrible against uh, UCLA. But coming out of that road trip and coming out of that one road ranked victory against USC, they came back home and they had four games at home. So let's talk about those starting with you, Jabril. Yeah, so first game of the home uh, the homestand was against Cal. Cal won the poorer teams in the conference but at times this year have shown they could play quite well as they just beat Oregon yesterday uh, pretty handily on the road uh, Stanford should have had this game much easier they only won by seven they were up by one at the half it was a real struggle a large part of that was them shooting three from 15 from deep uh, so yeah when Stanford doesn't shoot well from deep they don't tend to do very well also they were just having struggling to find good looks against a not very good team which is somewhat worrying so it was a struggle but Sometimes these games against Cal end up being low, low scoring and Stanford ended up pulling it out. But a must-win game for the Cardinal, they got the win. The biggest game in the homestand, and as I was telling my friends to show out that this was the biggest game of the year, was that Thursday night game against Washington State. Quad two game, Washington State high in the net rankings. One of those teams who's similar to you around, around the bubble like Stanford was at the time. And Stanford found a way to lose. And it was just just an absolutely brutal killer loss for Stanford's resume. One of those games at home, quadrant two, you just have to show up. And they didn't. They shot seven for 31 from three. Ingram went 0 for 7 from three, two for 11 from the field. Only put up five points. Jaden Delaire struggled, went one for six from the field. Spencer Jones had an incredible game, went 10 for 14, four from eight from three, put up 24 points. A fantastic performance from him. And we'll talk about this some more later. But Jared Spencer Jones having a great game. And Jared Haas took him out there near the end of the half, but near the end of the half once he picked up two fouls. And it, it really let, or excuse me, that was the UCLA game. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Wrong game. <laughs> There's so many games to cover. Uh, Spencer Jones had an amazing game against Washington State. Uh, but yeah, Michael Flowers went off for Washington State, put up 22 points. Uh, Roberts put up 12. Uh, Stanford just didn't play well. They came back on a run. They were, they, they, you had, the fan had to accept that they had lost that game at three different occasions. The Washington State kept blowing up big leagues. Stanford kept making it close. They had a three, a wide open Issa Silver for three to tie it late in the game, and he missed it, and then Washington State blew it. You know, it was God the separation they needed to win. But, yeah, as you're saying, I don't really like looking back at this game. I'm nowhere near over it. It was a brutal loss for Stanford's tournament hopes. And then I'm going to go quickly to the next two. Stanford just came out and played a dominant game against Washington, as they should have earlier in the year. Uh, everything was going right. They shot 40% from three. Just a clean, a clean, dominant performance from Stanford. Their highest margin of victory of the year. Their best game of the year, I thought, came against Washington, 187-69. to 69. And finally, that game against UCLA, they only lost by nine at home. Uh, it was a it was a it was a decent, really, really good game from the Cardinal. Unfortunately, Juzang was back and Hawkins was back for UCLA. And when UCLA plays well, as they did, 
Stanford just doesn't have the talent or experience to match them. So Stanford needed a very good game for themselves and a bad game from UCLA. They got a good game for themselves, but UCLA played well. And then on that Spencer Jones point, UCLA, Stanford were going toe-to-toe with UCLA until about four minutes left in the half when Spencer Jones picked up a second foul. And I was in the sixth man, and we were all like, oh, please don't take Spencer Jones out for the second after he got a second foul. Haas took him out, and UCLA goes on a massive run at the end of the half, and Stanford really never really got back in it. They got within six at one point, but that was the run UCLA needed. And since they're so talented, and Juzang played so, so well, excellent mid-range shooting performance with him. That was the run at the end of the half that UCLA needed to end up to end this game. So basically, Stanford goes two and two in a homestand where they absolutely really need to go three and four. And we'll talk big picture later, but that Washington State loss is really going to sting. Els, you got anything to add on those four games? Yeah, Jabril kind of took the game by game recap look at it. But like he said towards the end there, this was a stretch that Stanford needed to go three and one, ended up going two and two. And each game was really different. If you take, take it from a case-by-case basis, that first one against Cal was real, like a game where neither team offense were really playing well. Defense Defenses were shining. It was a real grinder of a game. You look at the Washington State game, that's a game where Stanford just fell behind early. That's something you can never do. They were able to claw back, I think, twice when they were down by 16 to cut it to close single digits. Just couldn't pull it out there at the end. And like I kind of said, you just can't shoot yourself in the foot at the start of the game and fall fall behind by those big deficits. This is a game that Stanford's playing even Washington State. They probably win at the end, but you just can't shoot yourself in the foot. Washington was probably Stanford's best offensive performance of the season. It was definitely their biggest win uh, points margin-wise. And then UCLA, for the first 16, 17 minutes of that first half, they were right there neck and neck with UCLA. The Bruins were able to go on a big run to end the half, and then they kind of had control in the second half. Stanford clogged back a bit, but then Jaden Dallaire fouled a three-point shooter, and that started another UCLA run where they were able to take off. And Johnny Juzang really is the difference there. Phenomenal shooter, phenomenal player, and you're not really going to find many players like him around the country. Stanford just can't shut him down, and really no one can. But as we, as both Jabril and I have said, this was a stretch. Stanford really needed to go three and one if they wanted to maintain their spot in the bubble. Ended up going two and two, and now their margin for error going forward is razor thin. Yeah, that Washington State game is Washington State again getting them. Last season, we saw that triple overtime game against Washington State, and I will never forget that one. I thought there were so many poor decisions in that game. It was an absolute mess. Who was the guy that went off in that game? It was Noah Williams. He's the guy that you would expect to come now and be the reason that Stanford loses at home to Washington State. Noah Williams had three points in this one. And Yakimovsky coming off the bench, a guy who I tend to be scared of coming in, he had three points. And Spencer Jones had had 24 points on 10 for 14 from the field. And Stanford had 13 turnovers, which tends to not be that much for this Stanford team, given that they they have a lot of issues in terms of turning over the ball. And Stanford managed to lose at home, a pretty dead offense and a really, really poor performance. And it's a very, very disappointing loss for the Cardinal after getting the one of two on the road against the LA schools, no matter what happened in these other home games, it was all pretty predictable. And that you knew Stanford was going to lose to UCLA and it was a hard fought game and a good performance by the card. You knew that Stanford was going to beat, or at least you expected Stanford to beat Cal and Washington. You really never know what's going to happen there. If it were first round of the Pac-12 tournament, Cal probably would have won by 20. But they still did lose to those. Uh, they still did beat those schools, but they needed to go three and one, like you guys have said. Really, really brutal for the tournament hopes. And, and Stanford really came out of this one with almost no chance of making the NCAA tournament, in my opinion. Um, 
But yeah, I think you guys pretty much covered everything else there. There were some good performances like Washington, like UCLA, bad performances like Washington State and even Cal. Uh, and, and it happens. Overall, I'd say it was a pretty predictable uh, homestand overall. Jabril, do you have anything to add on to these couple of games that happened at home for the card? Yeah, on that Washington State game, another stat that pops out, Stanford had 16 offensive rebounds compared to Washington State's five, and yet Stanford only won second-chance points by a 13-7 to scoreline. They just couldn't do anything on offense, even when they did get those second chances. And when you look at the difference in the game, you talk about not even turning the ball over, but Washington State made them pay uh, 21 points to 12 off turnovers in favor of Washington State. So really, it's about Washington State took advantage of their opportunity. Stanford did not. And as I said, that one really stings on the resume. Without a doubt. And after that homestand, and we still have more games to cover here. It's been a while. After that homestand, the card went on the road to take on Oregon and Oregon State. We'll start out with you on this, Els. Tell us about those two games and your thoughts coming out of it. Yeah, after, after going two and two on the homestand and some of their past performances, Stanford really needed to get that win at Oregon if they wanted to really get back into the bubble consideration um, and have a good shot to go to the NCAA tournament. It was a close game, but Stanford kind of shot themselves in the foot a bit. A lot of turnovers, didn't shoot the ball well from three at all. And when you're not shooting the ball well from three, you really need to get to the free throw line, get some free points. Only shot four free throws the whole game, albeit they made all four. But still, you've got to get to the line more than that and really press your luck there. Um, but yeah, the story of the game was that Stanford's offense just not enough to match up with Oregon here on the road. Michael O'Connell going down with an injury towards the end of the game that made him sit out for the Oregon State game, which was a big concern heading into that. Issa Silva got his first career start, played 24 minutes, seven points, three turnovers, two assists, um, a, a solid performance. But the story of the game really here was Spencer Jones, 15 points, Harrison Ingram, 16 points, Jane there 14. And then Maxime Reynaud got a big uh, uptick in minutes here, 16 minutes, scored 10 points. It was good to see him back out there scoring the ball. And Stanford got the win over Oregon State, which they which they greatly needed, but a split here in Oregon, which was not ideal in Stanford still really just outside the bubble consideration. They're going to have to, they're going to have to almost win out. albeit the Arizona game heading forward. Jabril, anything else on these two games? Yeah. I want to touch more on Reno up uh, really rounding into some late season form. He had a great opening start to the season and everyone thought we might've found that answer for that at the center position in that front court and they sort of fell off throughout this whole midseason stretch really since those first couple of games we haven't seen much of Maxime Reno and these last two games he's put up double digit points in both of them 10 points at Oregon or excuse me 11 points at Oregon 10 points at Oregon State really good to see him get going that provides another option there in the front court when either James Keefe or Lucas Zunis is having an off night uh, as I was mentioned uh, Losing that Washington State game means you really had to get a win against UCLA or at Oregon. You couldn't really lose both. Beforehand, before losing to Washington State, you could have lost both. After losing, you couldn't have. Uh, this Oregon game was very winnable. Oregon did not play well. Rich Will Richardson had a very bad night. He didn't score till the second half. He ended up putting up 12 in the end, but went one for eight from three, three for 14 from the field. Uh, again, it was turnovers and three point poor three point shooting. Dana Altman always forces a ton of turnovers against the Stanford team. Stanford turned it over 17 times and then three point shooting six for 25. That's not going to cut it from Stanford. This team relies on the three point shot because they don't have a talent that matches some of these pac 12 teams in the front court. So when those aren't falling, Stanford falls. And this was again, Oregon did not play well. Stanford could have won this game and big had a big time boost to their resume and they didn't yet again. Uh, the Oregon State game, I don't think it was anything super pretty, but 
you never want to complain about a road loss, even though it was a quad four game, given how bad Oregon State is. Anytime you get a road loss, you get that 10-point victory to max out the net rather than net ranking calculation in terms of the point spread. Anytime you max that out on the road, you're happy. Uh, just a nice, clean win to get back in the win column and hopefully start something here for the, call, the Cardinal down the stretch. Right. I don't have a ton to add on these two games. I guess what most people would have expected from these games happened. I will say that I've never been impressed by Oregon this season ever since they got absolutely whooped by uh, what I consider to be a highly mediocre BYU team. I've been pretty down on them. So I think that this was, like you guys have said, a winnable game and Stanford could have come out on top. You can see that by you know the close deficit here and the fact that the card did not play well on the offensive end, but uh, still almost came out on top there. So it was a winnable game, one that they had to win. And Stanford's pretty far off from making the NCAA tournament, in my opinion, coming out of this, this road trip. The win over Oregon State doesn't really mean anything, but a win is a win. And, uh, you know, you, you got to be you got to be happy with a win there. So I really do not have a ton to add on this one because I think that it was predictable and a little bit a little bit, you know, uh, unfortunate for the card looking to make a statement in terms of uh, getting onto the bubble. Um, but now that we've been able to cover all of these games, and that was a lot of games, eight games in which, in my opinion, not a ton changed for Stanford. That tends to be a theme. Stanford remains a decent way off the bubble and never really makes a jump or a fall at any point. They had that road win against USC. They had a lot of wins that they should have had. They had a tough loss against Washington State at home. That's how it goes. But now we have two games to talk about in the week ahead and it starts out with thursday's matchup at home against utah and we'll start with you jabril tell us about that matchup tell us about this utah team well utah if you look at their record is not very good they're two and 13 in the pac-12 sitting in 11th place right now nine and 16 overall and i didn't start that i i'm not trying to make a case that they are a good team but let's just say they are number 120 and in ken palm their 82nd ranked offense of 180, 182nd defense. So Stanford should be able to move on the offensive end a lot against Utah. Uh, but it's a must-win game. You have to beat Utah at home. It's a quad three game, uh, next to last home game. Uh, you, Brandon Carlson for Utah has given Stanford problems in years past. Uh, but overall, there's really no excuse for at least in this game. And I expect Stanford, this is the game I'm most confident about in the Stanford's five remaining games. Els, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, Utah, obviously, much towards the bottom of the Pac-12. Only two wins in the conference, and that those were against Oregon State and Cal, the teams on either side of them in the standings. Uh, it's a very different Utah team in the past few years. Obviously, they had a lot of transfers out. New coach Craig Smith this year. No more Timmy Allen, no more Alfonso Plummer. That can hurt Stanford. But there's still some guys that could do some damage if Stanford doesn't watch out and guard who they need to guard. I do think this is its obviously a must-win game for Stanford. It's a game they need to win by double digits, almost need to, to blow Utah out if you want to get to where you want to get at the end of the season and improve your net ranking. Yeah, Utah is, is quite a joke within the Pac-12. Not an impressive resume. Lost a lot of talent from before. I mean, Timmy Allen's a guy that everybody who is a Pac-12 basketball fan knew. And Plummer's a guy who everybody who is a Stanford basketball fan knew and was scared for him to be coming in and playing Stanford basketball. So I, I think that this game should be an easy win for Stanford and it's a must win. Absolutely. You lose to Utah at home and your season is basically done at that point. So not a ton to add on that one, but then it takes them into the second game of the weekend, which should be a more interesting one 
against Colorado. So, Els, let's start with you on this one. Tell us about Colorado. Yeah, Colorado, if you remember back earlier in the season in December, Stanford went on the road to Colorado, and they were in control for much of the first half. Then it was a back-and-forth second half, and they ultimately were not able to pull it out. Evan Batty went off for the buffs in that game, as he always seems to do against Stanford. He hit a bunch of threes, which is not something you see from him every game. But obviously, he's the one to watch for Colorado. Um, it's just insane how, how, how he goes off against Stanford every year. Um, and then Jabari Walker is leading them in points right now, 14.1 points per game, nine rebounds, almost a double-double there. Very dangerous forward who can also do some damage. And, of course, Oscar De Silva's younger brother. Tristan De Silva is a key contributor for them this year, averaging nine a game. Um, this is a Colorado team, like I said before, already beaten Stanford this year. Another must-win game for the Cardinal. I think it'll be a very close one. Should be fun to watch. Senior night for Stanford um, should be fun. Jabril, how about you? What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mentioned Batty just decided that he was going to go four for four from beyond the arc against Stanford and win the game for them. Uh, Stanford lost that game by four, 76 to 80. Uh, yeah, that was another one of those winnable games that Stanford could have really used to boost their resume. Uh, but right now, Colorado sitting half a game behind Stanford in the standings, in the Pac-12 standings at number eight. And again, it's at home. It's one of those games you absolutely have to win. Uh, Colorado's always played Stanford well in recent years, and I'm not. This is a game I'm not incredibly confident about, but Stanford certainly sh- will be favored and should win this game as well. And Al's already covered the team, but another, as you said, guys, must must win for Stanford here. Right, and I think it's important to remember that, at least in my mind, a Colorado team without McKinley Wright isn't a Colorado team. And this year's team is so different from last year. We've always talked, and I always mention this every time we talk about Colorado, that senior class photo from last year. And it was the representation of this team totally changing and the amount of players that they have leaving the program. Uh, With that being said, Batty likes to just completely bully this Stanford team. The fact that he did what he did from from three um, in that past game against Stanford just sort of shows that he's a big dude. And he bullies this team. And I think the baddie is going to go absolutely off again. And Hass and this Stanford squad doesn't really have a response for him. And that baddie and Jabari Walker combo is really dangerous. They have some talent. Um, so Colorado team is inconsistent. Uh, they're a team that, if I want to remember correctly, I think they beat Washington State the first time around and then lost by like 30 or like 27 the second time around. Um, So this Colorado team can be very, very inconsistent. But on that note, Jabril, let's make our predictions for this week ahead and what we think is going to happen against Utah and Colorado. We'll start out with you. Yeah, you're right on that Colorado stat. They won by five in Boulder, and then they lost 70 to 43 on the road in Pullman somehow. (laughs) What an interesting turn of events there. So, yeah, this Colorado team has been very inconsistent all throughout this year. And since I really just want to pick Stanford in both these games here, definitely against Utah, against Colorado, uh, again, Batty and Walker have me scared. And De Silva's had good games against us also. Uh, I think we could very well lose that game, but. I'm going to be a homer here and pick the Cardinal to get the home sweep. Okay, well, against Utah, I'm going to go with Stanford. And I don't think it's going to be a close one. I think that Utah is, is pretty garbage. And I think this Utah team is not going to be able to compete. Against Colorado, I could very much go either way on it because it depends on which Colorado team shows up. But I'm going to go with Colorado. I'm going to go with the better coaching there. I'm going to go with the fact that Evan Batty is going to bully this Stanford team. 
and make them feel pretty dumb about themselves. And I think we're just going to have to see that happen. But I could see Stanford winning that game by 20 also. I really don't know what's going to happen there, but I got to go with Colorado because I think the the, the likely outcome is that Colorado is going to win that. So I'm predicting Stanford goes one and one in the week ahead. And then let's talk about big picture because March is rapidly approaching. That's our favorite time of year. We want to see not only how's Stanford basketball doing, but how's Pac-12 basketball doing? And what does the college basketball landscape look like? So let's talk about it. And we'll start out with ULs. Tell us about the big picture, Stanford's postseason potential, and then just, you know, maybe Pac-12 basketball in general. Yeah, so if we start looking at Stanford postseason potential they have left, they have five regular season games left, and they should be favored in four of the five. That one, of course, where they won't be at Arizona. Arizona just named number three in the country today in the latest AP poll. Um, And if Stanford wants to get to the NCAA tournament, they're going to need to go four and one rest of the way. If they get that win against Arizona, I think they're firmly back in the bubble. Uh, we're looking pretty solid for the tournament heading into Pac-12 tournament play, which would be very key for the team. They at least have to win, I think, their first two games there if they want to make the tournament come then. And if they go four and one, say they lose the first game or win one, then lose the next one in the Pac-12 tournament, I think they definitely bound for the NIT. Uh, but I think it's going to be an interesting finish to the season here for Stanford. Um, and one we... I've definitely seen before, and hopefully they'll be able to pull it out this time and get the wins they need to win. Jabril, what's the big picture for you? Yeah, looking at the schedule, it's four quad three games and one quadrant one game, that quadrant one game going against, as I said. Number three, Arizona, the team that smacked Stanford by 28 at home, and Stanford never really seemed in the game at any point. I'm expecting a similar result on the road. So I think almost best case scenario at this point is them going four and one, and that's very reasonable. The thing is, Stanford teams in the last couple of years have fallen off at the end. So that four and one is by no means guaranteed. Colorado's not an easy win at Cal is definitely not an easy win. That Arizona state who's been incredibly inconsistent. They just beat UCLA at home a week ago. Uh, there are very, there are games that Stanford loses in past years, just like how before the Washington state game, we didn't have an episode, but beforehand I was fairly pessimistic and telling him saying to people, this is a game that Stanford typically loses. There are games in the schedule here at the end that Stanford loses. Can they buck that trend? Obviously, it's in their minds. They know what's happened in the last few years. Even though some of the players weren't there, they know what this team is known for doing in the, at the end of seasons. Can they avoid it? Can they get it together? And let's say they go 4-1, and one, right? That's the that's a reasonable scenario we can still talk about. Because uh, if, they, if they were to go 3-2, and two, that's a quad three loss. Their first of the year, they would need to win the Pac-12 tournament in any scenario where they're eight, they finish 18-12 and 12 in the regular season. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, that is 18-12 and 12 in the regular season. So let's say they do go 4-1. and one. That puts them at 19 and 11. That's not a regular season tournament resume. They need, they're, they're probably not 12 and eight in the conference is not going to get them a top four seed unless some weird stuff happens. So that means they got to win an opening round team against probably that's going to be a quad three or a quad four game. And then they got to win the next round at least. So at least two wins in the Pac-12 tournament would get them to 21. And then the loss in the semifinal round would be 12, 21 and 12. We don't know what that win would be in the Pac-12 tournament. I'd say probably not, but it gives them a chance to be under consideration. Uh, my guess is if they get to the semifinal, that would, as I said, that 21, 12 scenario is probably like the most reasonable Stanford scenario. We can see where they'd have a chance. I think getting to the final is going to be really hard, especially if they end up on the same side of the bracket as Arizona, who I don't think they could beat on pretty much any day. Uh, but yeah, I think this team is NIT bound. And if you go listen to the recording at the beginning of the season, I said that we would be sixth or seventh in the conference 
and probably be a mid-level like three or four seed in the NIT and about now that's how it, that's how it's looking right about now so I'm doing pretty well here predictions but yeah Stanford a long way to go to make the NCAA tournament I don't even know if people would consider them to be on the bubble at this point they're number 90 in the net which is and I, last point I'll make they were number 90 in the net. I've learned number 89 or 90 heading into that Oregon State game. And I'm like, okay, so maybe if we go four and one here, we jump up at least 10 spots, maybe get to 75 or something. They beat Oregon State on the road by more by 10 or more. So they max out that net ranking points. And they drop one spot in the net. So it didn't do anything for them. The win at Oregon State didn't help them. The other team passed them. So I don't really know how much these quad three wins will even help them net-wise. So that made me really, really, really worry about the Cardinals' opportunity to really even get back into that conversation without a big run at the Pac-12 tournament. All right. Well, what I got to say is Stanford fans, get ready to root hard for the card in the Pac-12 tournament because that's the only path to uh, getting to the NCAA tournament. This Stanford team does not have a tournament resume. I am the pessimist. I have always been the pessimist about this Stanford basketball team. I don't have a lot of belief in them. I don't have belief in Jared Haas as a coach. I think that this team needs to sort of restructure and rebuild, and they've got some problems. They've had some quality wins throughout the season, ones that I did not expect to happen. The Wyoming win stands out a lot to me because I think USC is a joke. That Wyoming win stands out, but I still think a road win against USC is a road win against USC, no matter how bad I think that team is. But what we're going to see throughout the rest of the season is, like you said, Jabril, there are some games that Stanford just doesn't win. In my opinion, Stanford doesn't win a game against Arizona State at the end of the season on the road. It just doesn't happen. And the Arizona State fans come out. I'm recording this podcast from Tempe right now, where students here care about basketball, and they're fired up, and they're going to go out there. And no matter how bad ASU is, they're going to make sure that ASU beats Stanford in that last game of the season. This Stanford team has done nothing to prove themselves to be a tournament team. I honestly don't even know that they're an NIT team, but that's a very bold thing to say at this point. And I'm, I'm somewhat extreme in my takes on this. Um, but let's see what happens in the week ahead. Don't expect Stanford to make the NCAA tournament unless they take the Pac-12 tournament. And we'll just have to see what happens. A couple quality wins and a decent seed in the Pac-12 tournament. And you never know what could happen. You guys know I'm a pessimist here, but be optimistic if you want to be because there's still room to grow and there's still room to make the tournament. So I think that's it for now. We had so much to talk about today. It was a long episode. We got to really get everything on the line with these past eight games, the two games in the week ahead, the whole big picture. And we'll be back again to recap more games, to talk about more games ahead and get ready for March because we love talking about March. So get ready, guys. Make sure to tune back into the Stanford Daily Men's Basketball Podcast. And with that, I am Teddy Solomon alongside Jabril Taha and Stanford men's basketball team manager, Els Boone. Thank you guys for tuning in. And we really appreciate you guys listening to our podcast. This episode was produced by Philip Belarjan. Special thanks to Teddy Solomon, Els Boone, and Jabril Taha for hosting this series. I'm Chloe Mendoza. Managing Editor of Podcasts for Volume 261. For more podcasts by the Stanford Daily, visit stanforddaily.com slash category slash podcasts.